Thank you so much. Let's give them another round of applause. Thank you for singing this morning. So thankful to all of those who are leading worship this morning. We're grateful here to have the internationals leading us. And uh, take your Bibles, if you would, and let's turn to the book of Philippians this morning. Philippians chapter 4, verses 15 through 19 is going to be our focal passage this morning. Philippians chapter 4. And then this series that we are in, in the month of November, is a series about rhythm. How many of you got rhythm? Just raise your hand. You got some rhythm. I got rhythm. I hope you got some rhythm. Well, these rhythms are habits of the spiritual world, habits of the spiritual life that I believe God had put in Scripture, He put into our lives to make us happier and to make us holier. And when we're holy, we're happy. And these are holy habits, they're rhythms of life. And last week we talked about the rhythm of rest. And God put in that Sabbath rest in the Old Testament and he's, he's made it a day of celebration for us in the New Testament era. On the Lord's Day, on the day of his resurrection, Sunday we come together, we celebrate. We celebrate the rest we have in the work of Jesus on the cross. He has given us life We know we have resurrection life in him. We know we have a home with him in heaven. And so even when you're busy, you can have a sense of rest and peace. Is that not true? And uh, so we rest in Christ. Now today, I'm going to talk about a different rhythm. And one of the great churches in the New Testament that that celebrated this rhythm, that marched to this rhythm, that danced to this rhythm with God, was the church in Philippi. They were a church that were involved in missions. Unlike many of the other churches, they gave and gave and gave in order to send Paul out internationally to the Gentiles and into the world. They were in the rhythm of giving, the rhythm of generosity. And these, this rhythm gave them a joy. And this, this text, this book of Philippians is, is a book filled with a sense of joy. And, and when you are giving people, you are a happy people and a joyful people, and we want to look at that together. It says, in you Philippians, yourselves, know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership. Say partnership with me. Partnership. The Greek word is koinonia. You probably heard of that. It's, it's, it's working together. It is being together. It is sharing something. It is partnering. Perhaps since I'm talking about rhythm, you want to you want to envision a, a, a couple that's dancing. They're dancing in rhythm. They're, they're moving together in rhythm. And he says, listen, you are a church that you were in the rhythm of giving with me. Notice what he says. He says, even in Thessalonica, Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and then you did it again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I've received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gift you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. Who was pleased by this church that walked faithfully in the rhythm of giving? God was pleased. And then he makes this promise in verse 19, and my God will supply some of your needs, every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. And he's going to do this so that Westside's glorified. Is that right? No, it is all to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Let me pray. Father, I ask 
you would speak through your scriptures this morning, challenge our hearts. May we hear your heartbeat for the world and may we move to that rhythm, dance to that rhythm, walk in step with the Spirit for your glory and for our good. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Well, I cannot move much further into the message without mentioning uh, the election. And so we had the election. How many of you praise Jesus, it's over? Just raise your hand, say amen, whatever. Uh, it's over. And, and, that's, and, and, and so we're moving forward and, and we are thankful for what God has done uh, we can be thankful wherever we are in that process and wherever we stand because God is in control. But I was thinking about what it, what it must be like for the new president, the president-elect Trump, what it's gonna be like for him. I now, now that he's won this election, I wish if I had a conversation with him right now, you know what I'd say? And I'd say it very respectfully. I'd say, President Trump, get it right. Get it right. I might remind him also that the house he's moving into is not his house, it's our house. He is now, for the next four years, a steward of the people's house. He has been given power and privilege and possessions and place of authority that literally can impact generations to come. And I just wanna say, get it right. Be a good steward. Be a good president. You know, he's moving in. Someone was mentioning, he's now got a smaller plane and a smaller house. <laughs> I thought that was kind of interesting. I don't know if that's true or not, but it's, it could be. He's one of the first presidents. If the first president is just kind of down, stepped down into that, you know. But what's interesting about where he's going is he, won't, he doesn't own any of it. He won't own the bed he's sleeping on. He doesn't own the house he's sleeping in. He doesn't own the plane. He doesn't own the limos. He doesn't own any of it. It has all been granted to him by God through the votes of this people. He is a steward, not an owner. And here's what I'd say to him. I'd say, get it right. You have four years and then you're gonna come before the judgment. Get it right. As I was preparing this sermon about giving, this just spoke to me too. You know, the house I live in, the car I drive, I don't own any of it. It's been given to me by God. And I am a steward of my possessions. I'm a steward of my time. I'm a steward of this body. I'm a steward and I face the expectation of the one who voted me into this life. And I feel, you know what, I've heard God say this week, he's saying, Chauncey, listen, I want you to get it right. I want you to get it right. You've got a limited amount of time to impact the world with the time, the talents, the treasures, the territory. You've got a limited amount of time. You need to get it right. You too are a steward. Let me tell you what it says about us. Ephesians chapter two, verse 19, it says, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens. You've been voted in. 
You are now fellow citizens. Just talking to Christians, people who have trusted Christ. You are now fellow citizens with the saints. And you're the members of the household of God. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. You, my friend, listen, if you are a believer, if you're a believer, brother or sister in Christ, you and I are a house. We're a household. We're a temple together. And then he says in in 1 Corinthians, he says, and by the way, your little mini houses, each of you in your body, each of you as an individual are a temple of God. And it says in 1 Corinthians, you have been bought with a price. You are not your own. And so God is looking at us and this series is based on this idea. You have time, manage that time wisely. You have possessions and money, manage that wisely because you have an owner His name is God, and he's voted you into this. What are you going to do with it? And I can just imagine after four years, for those of you who have voted in this president and this this administration, you're going to be looking to see if they keep their word. That's one of the most disappointing things, isn't it? Over the times you work hard and you vote somebody in, and then they don't keep their promises. And they're bad stewards of their opportunity. And I want you to know, friends, listen. God's looking at you more than he's looking at Trump. I think he's looking at you. You are his household. He's more concerned about the house of God than the White House. Am I speaking truth? Y'all nodding at me. And he's looking at us and he's saying, all right, you've got Trump voted in. You've got this White House thing. and I'm, I'm going wor- to take care of that but I'm looking at God's house. What are we going to do? Are we going to get it right? Well, the Philippians were getting it right in a number of ways. And in particular, they were getting it right in the area of the rhythm of giving. They were a giving church. And I want to celebrate a little bit of that today with you. They... um, They trusted God, even though they were a church with not a great deal of means. And the apostle begins the whole epistle praising the church at Philippi for their partnership, their koinonia. And this partnership was in giving. Look again at verse 15 of verse chapter 4. Verse 15 of chapter 4 He says, and you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, you entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving. You entered into partnership with me. The InterVarsity Press Bible Background Commentary says that that word participation was used often in an economic sense for those who share monetarily. And so this apostle is praising the church at Philippi. They had their issues. But one of the things he was praising them for is that they, they took advantage of the incredible privilege God had given them. We, we have just established some authorities in, in the United States, and this has been granted an incredible privilege. Can you imagine the privilege of being voted in by 60 million people 
who say, look at you individually and say, I want you to go be a part of this house. I've granted you this privilege. This is my house, my nation, and I'm gonna make you the leader. I'm gonna give you that kind of privilege. You too have this incredible privilege. You know why it's such a great privilege? You have a privilege not just to impact the United States. You have a privilege as a member of the household of God to impact the world, the entire world. You say, little old me? Yes, little old you because we're together in this. We're gonna take the Lord's Supper at the end of this service and we partake together. We're unified as the household of God and we're unified as stewards. We come together as stewards of the house, not owners of the house, and we come as stewards of our possessions and stewards of our time and we look to the Holy Spirit and we say, all right, Spirit, how can we stay in step with you? This is an incredible privilege that I can give of my time and my talents. I can give you back what you've given me and I can participate in life-changing activity day in and day out. I can do it by being involved in my time. I can do it by putting my my, uh, offering and my tithes in the offering plates. I can do it by serving and all the different things and ministering in in unheralded behind-the-scenes ways. I can participate in the gospel. He is celebrating those who move. Watch this who move from partakers of grace to participants in the gospel. From partakers of grace to participants in the gospel. There's a difference there. You know how I know there's a difference? Because I've met a lot of believers who partake of the grace of Jesus Christ, who partake of the blessings, but never truly see themselves as stewards of that grace, but as just benefactors of that grace. Once they come to the idea that they're stewards, they move from being partakers to participants. We're doing this together. We're contributing. We're moving forward. He celebrates that. And I just wanted to celebrate a little bit today. We're putting out the ministry action plan and we're talking about these things. And and I just realized you don't have the benefit of seeing what I see every week as a pastor. I've got this tremendous staff. This is a staff that you participate in caring for and supplying so that they can give full-time and part-time to ministry in this place. And I just want you to know what's happening because of your participation financially in his grace, participation in the gospel. I want you to know that your staff is, they're, they're on mission right here. We're sending money to missions around the world, but we're, everything we do, this light shining on me is on mission today so you can see the preacher of God's word. All of it ties into mission. I just wanna celebrate a few things. You know, this past year, this just so you know, I'm not a big numbers person and, because numbers can go down when you're doing things right. Did you know that? They can go down when you do things right. Oh, but eventually they should start going up. But I'm just, I'm celebrating that in this past year, we've we've had a a net addition to those that attend our church. We've had about 145 net new folks join our fellowship. But here's what's exciting. In 2016, from October to October, we've had the third highest number of, of baptisms in the history of the church, 110 baptisms. Let's celebrate the Lord. And can I just tell you, can I just tell you where all those came from? 
where all those came from. Let me just tell you about international ministry, this, since this is just international day. Um, Cheryl Bennett is a, is a wonderful leader. She's got a great passion for this. And she follows a, on the footsteps of many of you who have been leaders in this over the past 10 and 20 years. And it's just a great thing. But this year has just been awesome in international ministry. We have 13 life groups. There are over 400 internationals on the roll. Right now, we're averaging about 90 internationals every Sunday. But you'd think that's, that sounds great. But let me just tell you what's exciting about this. This may not sound exciting. I hope this doesn't happen with every life group, but 70% of them rotate out every year and they go back to their homeland. But here's what's exciting. They're going back as believers in Jesus. They're going back with the gospel. How do I know that? We had 42 professions of faith in our international ministry in the last 12 months. We've had 12 of them baptized. I asked Cheryl to give me some statistics. In the last 10 years or nine years that they've done this, this type of international ministry, they've had 245 professions of faith. 240. You know how many churches would love to have that? The most exciting thing to me about that is that this, those 245, the vast majority of them went back to their homelands on mission. Know that you participate in this when you give. You participate in this when you help pay off a building that houses those 90 every Sunday morning. Your participation is critical. It is critical. And it is having an incredible effect. They have children of, and, and people of all ages in this international ministry. Many of the students are not students. They're professors, assistant professors. We have wonderful people of great intellect that are coming to know Jesus, and they're going back to share it in their homelands. We praise the Lord for that. Let me just highlight a few others in the brief time that I have this morning. In missions, international missions, we gave nearly $500,000 committed to missions beyond the local ministry here last year. We sent out a number of teams, and I didn't get all those numbers in this morning. We, had, we sent out lots of teams and lots of people to go on international missions. In our life groups, we've seen an 8% increase in life group attendance since last year. That's great to see more people being discipled in Jesus, student ministry. It's really exciting in student ministry. There have been 112 decisions for Christ in 2016 in student ministry. Let's praise the Lord for that. They've baptized 34 students. That is, that is in the tops among Southern Baptist churches in the nation. They're seeing a, an average of 240 student interact, interactions in school campuses. We're out on the school campuses. They've had record high attendance in, in all of their special events and camps this year. They're having over 150 on Wednesday nights. Their life groups are growing. Student ministry is doing well. You participate in that by helping us have a student pastor and having an incredible, uh, uh, incredible student pastor and assistant student pastor, Zach, you, there is a team that is working so hard, but that team can't work unless you participate. Say amen if you understand what I'm saying. And all of you have the privilege 
the privilege of doing that. It is not the obligation. It is the privilege when you give and you participate and you come together and you teach and you, and you keep kids and you go over there and you have life groups. You are participating in the gospel. You're not just going to church. Children's ministry. They had 400 in VBS, had about 100 to 10 decisions. In kids' worship, we started kids' worship this year. And they, it has just really blossomed. They, have a hun, they average about 110 children in children's worship while we're in here. They have 250 children on average from babies up through fifth grade every Sunday. They've seen 30 to 50 baptisms the last four years among the children. But here's what's really exciting is our children's team, John Park and others, and, and volunteers are out in the schools every week. He says that uh, uh, over a 1,000 children have heard the gospel through in, in the public schools through our children's ministry. That, that's missions right here in town. Recreation ministry. The total number of, of kids reached with the gospel was that heard the gospel was 1,500 children. Total adults reached in the past year, 929 adults heard the gospel of Jesus. Now, some of them may have may been Christians, but we're sharing it. They had 46 salvations recorded in the past year. Sunshine Day, did you know we have a preschool daycare that meets here every week? Hundreds of families bring their children here every week, and you help make that possible by providing this building and providing this space. And they, they pay for uh, cleaning and they pay for lights and other things, but you make that a space available uh, and make it possible to have 175 children here every day. And what do they do? They hear the gospel. As far as she knows, Chris Pappas, who's doing a great job leading our preschool, as far as she knows, it's the first time they have just reached maximum enrollment. They are completely and fully Enrolled, and we praise the Lord for that. Worship ministry. We're getting geared up here. Over 7,000 people heard the gospel at the Gainesville Christmas Festival last year. They, they had 26 professions of faith. Did you know we're on TV every Sunday? You know why we're on TV every Sunday? Around uh, 400,000 homes have the, op- have the possibility and the option to watch us on television Sunday morning at 7 o'clock. 400,000 have that opportunity. It doesn't just happen. It happens if you participate. And I run into people all the time. I mean all the time. I, I got to go out of town to have a meal. <laughs> people are seeing us. People are seeing us because you participate. I just want you to see the incredible privilege you have to give at this church. There's a lot of churches you could give and not experience that fruit. And isn't it, isn't it awesome to know that you're participating in the gospel when you give in this place, when you serve in this place, and I'm thrilled to be a part of it. Do you think we ought to slow down and back off a little bit? You know what will cause us to do that? Well, I do have some concerns. As great as that is, here's my concern. 
Our participation in giving is not keeping up. And we cannot count on those special, special folks who will give way above and beyond their tithe. We cannot ride on their coattails. We cannot, we cannot just partake. I'm praying that as a result of you hearing my voice this morning and hearing the Holy Spirit, I'm praying you will make a commitment to move from partaker to participant. If you haven't done that, and you don't have to participate in giant ways, just participate. Just hear the heartbeat of God. Doesn't that just sound like that excites Jesus? You know, my poor wife. You know, it's a bad story if I start off with that. My poor wife. Bless her heart. She grew up as a dancer. She loves to dance. And she married a guy who doesn't dance, you know? I just, I'm not much of a dancer. I got rhythm, but I'd prefer not to show it to everybody in public. <clears throat> I just, I, I, I struggle with that sometimes. And I remember, we, I, I was almost mo- the, one of the most nerve I sang at my wedding. I, w- I was getting married, but one of the most nerve-wracking things to me about the wedding day was that first dance. So what did we do? We practiced. She said, we got to practice this. I said, okay. Are you sure we got to do it? Yes. So we got to practice. So, she, she, so I committed to this participation, this koinonia on the dance floor. I, I committed to it. I said, all right, we're going to do this. And she, so before we did that, so I didn't look too foolish, we practiced the pattern. We got together and she, and she taught me how to just do a slow dance. And you're saying, man, what a, what a lousy groom. You know, I mean, the, but I did. I, I committed to it and she taught me at least a few steps so that, and now I look graceful, don't I? And uh, she taught me a few steps so that we went out and we went out on the dance floor and I made it all the way through it without falling down and making it too look, her look too foolish. And then, you know, and, and, and so over the years, uh, we, we went on a cruise about 15 years ago for an anniversary. It was the first cruise we'd ever been on and we were on this cruise ship. And you know what a lot of people do on a cruise ship? Man, nobody told me that. So we get out there and we happened to go out of a cruise ship in Puerto Rico and half of this cruise ship were Puerto Rican in their, between 50 and 60s. If you're around a bunch of Puerto Ricans 50 to 60 years old, you, nobody can dance like those people. I mean, they can dance and we watch. And here's, here's my position. And, and Sarah's like, come on, we'll go take a class. We'll go practice the pattern. We'll go take a class. And so I went to the class and I made it just a little while into the class. And you're thinking, poor Sarah, man, she just needs a good husband. And I just tried, I tried, but I just could not. I just was not brave enough to do the salsa in front of other people. (laughs) But I tried to learn the pattern. And so for a lot of the times we would walk past the the dance floors on our way to the... uh, cafeteria praise jesus and then it would, <laughs> we and we'd stop sarah would look longingly and i would watch all of these people having a blast participating but i held back my obvious giftedness and i missed the joy Now, as I'm getting older, I might be getting braver. 
Well, don't miss the joy. Join the rhythm. Dance with Jesus. He loves a cheerful giver. Practice the pattern. The scripture gives us a pattern real quickly. I'm not going to dive deeply into this, but it's all throughout scripture. Training wheels. The training wheels to giving is the tithe. He said, all right, here, I'm going to establish it for you as a rule. Then when I take it up as a rule, it's going to be there in your heart, the first fruits, the first tenth. Say, pastor, I'm not there yet. Well, you need to get there. You need to move towards that. You need to participate. You need to figure out a way to withhold your spending. You need to figure out a way to adjust your lifestyle so you can give the first tenth, the first fruits. It's all throughout the Bible. Jesus didn't do away with it. In the book of Hebrews, it talks about Melchizedek uh, uh, getting an offering from Abraham before the law was there. He didn't do away with this wonderful principle. Why? Because that's the heartbeat of God. I give you grace and you give back to me. You give me your time and your talents, your treasures, not as an obligation, but as a joy of participation. You see, it, it sounds like when you read Philippians that they're just having fun giving till it hurts, giving out of their poverty because they were participating not in a club. They weren't participating in just some charitable event. And I'm all for charitable events. And there's lots of valuable things you can participate in. But what, what drove this church and what is in the heartbeat of Jesus is he says, listen, I could have, I could fund all my missions by myself. Jesus says, I got a cattle on the thousand hills. You know what he means by that? I don't need your cattle. I could do it myself, but I've not chosen to do that because I want to dance with you. I want you to experience the privilege of participating in the gospel. So practice the pattern, the first tenth. You notice in the New Testament, he talks about the first day. In 1 Corinthians 16, he said, Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so you also are, also are to do. He says, I'm, I'm instructing you just like I instructed all those churches in Galatia. I've instructed all of my churches to do this on the what day of the week? The first day of every week. That's Sunday. Why Sunday? Listen to that message from last Sunday p.m. if you weren't here. It's the Lord's day. It's the day of resurrection. It's the day of celebration. It's not the day of obligation. Don't just drag yourself in here. I got to go to church and I got to give. It is the day of celebration. The Lord's day. He says on the first day, each of you is to put something aside, store it up as he may prosper so that there will be no collecting when I come. He says, you, you make this a habit, a holy habit of collecting on that first day so that you can participate in the gospel when I come. And then the biblical principle, the first tenth, the first day. Now you can give any day. But he just set this up as a way, as a rhythm and I'm suggesting this to you. I'm suggesting to you as a rhythm. You can give on Wednesday. You can go to church on Wednesday. But I'm telling you, there's a great health to the habit 
of the first day. And, and so we encourage you to do that. But there's always the first place. And I want you to know, I believe this from my heart, the first place that I give, the first place of my generosity is to the work of God's kingdom. And he has established his kingdom outpost on planet earth in the local, what? Church. We are kingdom outposts. And you are seeing the gospel of Jesus Christ go out from this place. That's why I bring my tithe here. And our ministry action plan is just this. It's a plan of what? Action. To reach people with Jesus and make disciples of all peoples. I am excited to participate. I also am excited to participate and I hope you will be excited to participate because of the promise. And let me close with this. Look at verse, chapter 4, four verse 17. He says, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And he makes this promise. And my God will supply every what? Need of yours according to his riches and glory. And why is he going to do this? Well, verse 20 says it very clearly. It is for the glory of God. Church, I'm just encouraging you not to do what your, your pastor did on the cruise ship. It's stand tightly against the wall. Some of you, when when the preacher brings up money, this is exactly what you do. I came to a big church so nobody would notice me. Some of you said you had a lot of courage preaching on the election the other Sunday. You know, that didn't really take much courage. It takes more courage to preach on a controversial subject. People get more upset about their money than Republicans or Democrats. They do. That touches much more deeply. And I'm asking you to see what, what God's doing. He's just saying, I, I dare you, just, just get out into the dance with me. The give and the take. Let me lead, Jesus says. I lead by giving my life to you. And you respond by giving it back to me. There's joy in that. Not obligation, that's joy. And your groom wants to dance with you in the rhythm of giving. 